Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. And I'm your co-host, Ice Artificio. Today, we have Pat Barrett from Eden Solutions. Pat, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Very excited. Yeah, thank you so much for um, taking the time, Pat. We're super excited. And just to introduce you to the audience, could you tell us more about you and what's your marketing story? Yeah, sure. So I have been in the financial services sector for my marketing career. I have a master's of science in strategic marketing and communications from Fordham University. And I also hold a graphic design certification from the New York Institute of Art and Design. So I've had a cool kind of balance between the creative side of marketing and the strategic side of marketing and really blending and meshing those two functions. And a big part of that has been a lot of brand work. And currently with Eaton Solutions, we are a fintech who has a SaaS platform and we serve the family office space, which for anyone, I didn't know what a family office was when I joined either, but uh, it's basically an office that manages the wealth for a single family or a multifamily. So it's a super interesting market. And to my surprise, they were pretty antiquated in their tech stack within family offices. So we offer an integrated platform that really brings them into the modern world. That sounds very exciting and interesting. Also, I love the fact that you're mixing both the creative and the strategic part. And I feel like in marketing, that's always something that sort of clashes. So it's important to have a knowledge of both. So Putting those two things together, what does the marketing space look like in Eaton? Yeah, so our competitive set does consist of a mature brand or two. You know, we are not a mature brand. We were founded in 2015. So from a marketing perspective, we really went off word of mouth for the beginning of our journey. And to achieve the growth that's expected and wanted, we really had to be a bit more proactive in our marketing. So a big part for me was building out the foundations, which I do have experience with in the past. And that's all things from building out brand platform to basic marketing automation and marketing strategy and a marketing plan to really get active and get rolling. We are a little behind the ball compared to some of our competitors, but I think finding our differentiators and really leaning on our unique value proposition will help us advance quickly. Very cool. That kind of leads us into today's topic, which is brand marketing and awareness. So I think a lot of other marketers are in the same position of, you know, maybe there's a few folks in the same space and maybe you are that emerging company that is gaining traction and brand awareness and all this stuff. So let's talk about how you go about doing that as a marketer. And maybe you are that new company, new brand on the block and how you create that awareness and drive results. So maybe you could open us up with your view of brand marketing and awareness, and let's talk about some of the tactics and strategies you're using. Sure. I think it's interesting. I think if you are a emerging brand with some tough competitors or other mature brands, and let's say you don't have the resources for expensive agency to build a brand and to have the assets you need, I think marketers today really need to not be afraid to dive in there and really get creative and get involved and enmeshed to really reveal those brand insights. I think there's opportunities to do that stuff in-house. And I've worked with plenty of phenomenal agencies, not to say it's not worthwhile, but 
oftentimes you just don't have the resources, right? They can be very expensive at times and kind of kickstarting a brand, you can do it in-house. And I think that was something that when I joined Eaton, I really tackled first. Any type of a brand forms from the inside out. And, you know, I think if you look to building a brand in an objective sense and going by competitive insights, market insights, customer insights, and speaking to internal stakeholders and starting to really understand the company, the product, and the market, the creative ideas and the brand ideas really reveal themselves. You don't have to, you're not starting from scratch if you take a research-minded approach. And I think the divide between, let's say, the creative side of marketing and the tactical side of marketing can't really exist in a low-budget marketing function. There's people that need to wear both of those hats and I guess merging the left brain and the right brain, right? So realizing, you know, hey, I can come to some of these insights and I may not be a copywriter. I may not be a graphic designer. I may not have the technical skill set, but I can have ideas too, right? Like, you know, if you talk to enough people, if you do enough research, you can kind of start to see gaps where you could fill that and where you could go to market as a differentiated brand. And I think it's just a matter of not being timid, not being afraid of criticism, not being afraid to evolve stuff. You know, you can launch something and realize it's not working. You can adjust, you can pivot. So I think it's just a matter of jumping in there. Totally. And I think one of the things you mentioned was really getting at those core value propositions and solving actual challenges and making your brand knowing for getting stuff done. Could you tell us a bit more about that and your view on that? Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, I always like to start with the competitors. When I came into Eaton, it was it was pretty eye-opening that you could take messaging from our biggest competitor, throw it on our website. You could take messaging from another competitor, throw it on their website, and you would never be able to know the difference of maybe this value proposition doesn't fit there. They're saying the same words, the same things. And, you know, I think getting at a differentiated type of messaging really comes from understanding the platform and understanding the end user, especially for me in the SaaS world. The current clients have tremendous insight into the value that the platform brings. A lot of times I would talk to a client and something they're doing, we had never thought of as far as what our platform could bring. A lot of times there's buzzwords, efficiency, optimize, you know, all this stuff that doesn't necessarily mean much of anything. And when you get to the nitty gritty, I guess, of how your users are actually interacting with the platform, you can really get to that value. And, you know, I think it's interesting how much data exists. And I think it's really about leveraging that, you know, there's all types of interaction data and user journeys that you can, you can really dive into when someone logs on to the software, what are the steps that they take? What does their day-to-day look like? Anything that we've alerted them to as far as mistakes or stuff like that. And case studies can be another great way to really communicate and articulate a value proposition well. It is tough in, in, in today's world. Clients don't necessarily want to be named. So a lot of times a uh, anonymized nature comes into play. But if you tell the story well, and if you speak to, I always think about the human problem. So even though it's the business to business world, at the end of the day, there's a person at the end of that platform using it, interacting with it, and hopefully it's making their day better. And it's about finding out how it's doing that and really articulating that in a digestible way. Totally. So if you're one of these emerging brands, you're the marketer, 
you're positioning your brand to be that emerging leader in the space. What are some opportunities that you have that you wouldn't necessarily have if you're the larger company? You mentioned one of the things of not being afraid. What are those risky, like maybe risky is a bad term, but what's the fearless thing to do and the opportunities you can capitalize on? Yeah, I think it's about having that confidence, even though maybe you don't have the experience to have that confidence. If you've built a solid product, I think it's okay to articulate it in that way. And it's uh, not necessarily coming out with messaging that names a competitor or something like that, but there are ways to confidently communicate a message without being too combative. So I think one thing, just an example is in our space, there's kind of an argument as far as who created the first integrated platform. And we did, other competitors are saying they did, but their uh, understanding of integration, I guess, is different than ours. And there's no reason why we can't be fearless in our messaging around that. If we're confident in the fact that we are the first, then we can communicate that as strongly as we need to. And earned media is a great way to do that. That's not something that we had previously, but our competitors did. So really coming out with a strategy and main messaging that can give us some credibility in the market, a voice in the market, and making that voice powerful and confident, I think is key. Yeah, I like that. And the earned media thing is interesting. How do you go and approach those different media sources? How do you get their attention when maybe you're the rising brand? And Yeah. So one thing I've always leaned on is subject matter expertise. Mm. So if we've created our product from For instance, a lot of the other products in our competitive set were created for something else, but being used for this use case. Ours was created for this exact use case. So kind of our tagline or or something you could say is a family office built by a family office. We weren't a family office solution built by a family office. You know, we weren't built for something else. And I think going to the media with messaging around, we understand the family office space. We understand where it's headed. The pain points that exist give us an an upper hand. And I think if you have a clear strategy as far as main points that you want to convey and also know the outlets, I think trade publications are key for business to business. And it doesn't always have to be the big media outlets, right? So you know, I think it's just a matter of a consistent voice, consistent messaging, and really the repeating of what we want to say to have that narrative unfold. And one of our competitors is quite large and we don't have the finances to, to combat them everywhere, but that's not to say we shouldn't still be out there actively trying. And I think we've really pinpointed people in our organization who are subject matter experts and who the market recognizes and will identify with and trust really, right? So if you have that domain expertise, it's definitely, it can be very powerful. Totally. So what are the traps? What are the landmines, the things to avoid as you're doing this? Maybe the lessons learned and challenges. Yeah. So I think all the brand kind of building that I've taken part in, you always think of the external difficulties and challenges that may arise. I've learned internally that can often be the biggest hurdles, you know, getting people on board with a new look, a new sound, a new approach, a new logo, let's say. There's things that people can be very sentimental about. 
Um, and you have to be very thoughtful in your internal approach before you can even consider an external approach. And ultimately, employees need to be brand ambassadors and every client touch point is a branding opportunity. And it's important to really have the employees on board and communication is key. And again, if you base your direction in research, it's hard to disagree with or be too not on board with. So, you know, I've taken a a very research-based approach when presenting things to an internal audience. And then from an external standpoint, I think it's about understanding, first off, not forgetting about your current clients. You know, you can't all of a sudden start doing brand marketing and a different sounding different, looking different, um, you know, whatever it may be without letting them know what happened and why it happened. And then, you know, beyond clients, the prospects to the broader external audience, it all comes down to consistency. I think one thing I had to learn was just because things are sounding repetitive to me, doesn't mean to that external audience is repetitive. You know, no matter what channel that brand marketing is uh, falling on, just because I've seen it a million times, most likely they've only seen it once, or if they have seen it 10 times, they don't remember. So it's a matter of things may be getting old to me, but you know, to an external audience, it's brand new. And when you've been working on a brand or a project for six months, the messaging starts to sound dry already, but it's a matter of understanding, like, you know, it's new still, it's just not new to me. And then it's never finished, you know, the evolving nature and using analytics to really fine tune messaging and grow it could be something simple as exit pages on a website or seeing where bounce rates or whatever it may be, really looking at that stuff and not just noticing it and observing it, but taking action on it and being open to change and being open to say, hey, I thought this was a good idea and it's not, you know, and constantly looking to improve, I think is key. That's a good thought. Yeah. So I'm hearing a big component of that is communication and buy-in you know, internally before you even do any external stuff. What are some of the things there that I might do as an inexperienced person with this? And what are some of those lessons learned with just communicating this internally? Yeah. How would you do that with all of your experience and lessons learned? If you can give advice to maybe your younger self here, what would Mm -hmm. that be? Have involvement from the very beginning. Don't take steps on your own without the more people you have involved early on, the more they feel they were a part of it. And I think hitting someone with a whole bunch of ideas without their involvement from the beginning, you're going to get more pushback than if you had worked with them step by step. And it doesn't mean you have to take their ideas or you can't push back on stuff. But I've learned the earlier you involve people, the better it goes at the end. And as far as communicating to employees, I would say to make sure don't rely on others to communicate it. Just uh thinking that that information is going to trickle down. It rarely does. And if it does, it doesn't trickle down correctly. The communication gets more limited and more limited as it goes down each layer in an organization. So for instance, I just presented at a town hall, you know, to all employees, the, uh, a brand platform and a brand direction. And prior to that, I met with the senior leadership team. And prior to that, I met with the executive team. And it's really a phased approach where you're getting buy-in at all different levels. And And with that, there comes a point where not everybody's going to like everything. And I think it's important to know you're not going to please everybody when you're doing that type of work. And some people aren't going to be happy with certain aspects. And you kind of just have to live with that. Some people come back with really 
great ideas and others just, they have opinion and, you know, you kind of just have to be political, I guess, about that and manage it so the project doesn't get held up and you can execute it effectively. That's pretty good. So let's step out of that a little bit. It looks like you've been around brand marketing and then building your team, setting them up for success. What would you say is the craziest marketing initiative you've done in the past? So I think being in financial services and business to business, I haven't done anything necessarily too provocative, um, but I have done a relatively pretty crazy rebrand project that happened pretty early on in my career. And we consisted of seven individual business units all across the globe. We had like a two or three person marketing team and we were doing a complete rebrand. So all new logos, all new look. And you don't think it's simple when you're starting out, but once you dive into every little aspect, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think where every logo has to change within seven business units all across the world, it's a huge project from signage to pens, to letterhead, to email signatures. There's so many places where a logo ends up that we were finding logos. I'm sure there's still old logos out there somewhere. Mm. And I think getting the employees on board was key. We held a find the old logo campaign where we had employees help us out. Like, hey, we see this logo here. We saw this here. And it was a fun way to engage employees. But it was pretty crazy aligning between time zones and even a logo in India. You know, what language do we use? And all types of questions that arose that we didn't really consider. And then, you know, what do you do with all the old stuff that had the old logo as far as events and swag or whatever it may be? There's stuff that comes up that you would never consider that rebrands are tough, I I guess is is the way to say it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say rebrands are almost always anxiety inducing and you have to do it in seven different places. That's massive. Yeah. There's no light switch. You can't just uh, click a switch and then everything's changed. (laughs) Yeah. But outsourcing, it was really brilliant. Getting people to find it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up here, what final advice would you have for the other marketers out there listening today? Yeah. You know, I would say, I think really marketing at its essence is an art form. And I think it has be marketers today have become very operational and focused on execution. And I think moving back towards the creative side of things. And like I said, merging the left brain and the right brain can really help a small in-house team to do a lot more than they would be able to do with just focusing on executing campaigns or whatever analytics or things like that. I think people need to be a bit more confident in their creative abilities. And if you know the business, then those creative ideas are going to reveal themselves. And I think as content marketing just takes over, marketers are going to have to start to do that. Even as more firms are bringing content teams in-house, there's still necessarily these vibe between marketing and content creation and sitting in the middle and learning both and being comfortable in both is key to success in the future. Totally. Well, thank you so much for joining here today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, guys. Yeah.